0: Okay, gotta make sure I'm on. Speaking of Jamaica, so you brought it up, and Ben, uh, do you know this is a, a missionary month in uh, the Caribbean? You know that. Uh, this is when uh, a lot of churches take their missionary trips down to the Caribbean, build churches and whatnot. And uh, we did this uh, at my last church. Uh, I've been to Jamaica five times. And. Uh, one year we went down there and uh, we left Jamaica. It was 88 degrees. We landed in Chicago. It was minus 20. Oh, wow. And so we all gathered together around each other, looked at each other, and they. I said, who's going to go get the van? <laughs> Remember, we were in Jamaica, so all the coats were in the van. I'm short sleeve, and they all looked at me, and they said, Pastor, you're going to go get the van. So we in the, I hopped in the transport, got over to, uh, got over to the, uh, uh, where the van was. The van was on the top of the garage of the, one of those garages. And I went and the van was covered with snow, minus 20, no, no coat on, walked in, opened up the van, walked in, turned the key and the van said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, that, and I'm not kidding, that van went rawr and i go oh no this is this ain't going to be good <laughs> fired on up but i was a sermon, i went and froze that was the year that the indianapolis colts yay, beat the chicago bears in the super bowl the, we were flying into chicago and the, the pilot kept giving the the score and then all of a sudden he stopped giving the score and I went up to the pilot afterwards and says, I take it that the Colts won. he go, how do you know? I said, because you stopped giving the score. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's what that was. All right, so turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We're going to continue on with our um, our, our series, kind of a setting the tone for this year. Um, I am going to continue on that for the next few Sundays. Uh, and then we'll, we'll change gears just a little bit you remember last week I talked about how I really desire for this church to become Holy Spirit driven not driving the Holy Spirit keep that in mind maybe I should class, this, class that all over the church uh, become Holy Spirit driven where we are doing what God wants us to do seeking Him uh, uh, seeking Him out not coming to the point where we say God we pray that we will bless what we do and uh And so that's why I I really feel that we should be involved in prayer. I, I really feel that the board should board, at times, maybe there are times we should not make a decision at that point, but we should table it and have a month of prayer and fasting, saying, God, is this the direction you really want us to go? Because we are a spiritual entity, and we are, as a spiritual entity, we should be doing what God wants us to do, not what we want to do. And that's the hard thing. Because when we are Holy Spirit driven, that is when uh, you're going to see God do marvelous things and you're going to be just amazed at what God can do. Uh, for example, as many of you know, I'm not an evangelist. When I, Randy Christian is an evangelist. Randy Christian is the type of guy, he can get on the elevator and everyone is saved by the time he gets out of the elevator. There are people like that and Randy is one of them. Now, I'm not an evangelist, um, but I will do the work of an evangelist. And so, uh, there was one day, I was actually uh, talking to a witch. Uh, She called herself a witch, uh, and she says, I've casted spells, I've actually seen, uh, I've seen these spells work. And I'm going, oh, wonderful. Uh, this, This sounds exciting. And right then, I just prayed, Lord give me the words to say and at that point as I said I'm not an evangelist just the words started flowing and I started talking about Jesus and I started talking about how my God is more powerful than your God and and uh, I shared the 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 gospel the way of salvation with her and I finally got to the point I said would you like to give your life to Jesus and I would love to say she did but she didn't but as I said when you are following the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Holy Spirit, he would give you the power to do things that you never thought possible within you. And so, as I said, it's very important that we as Mount Tabor become Holy Spirit driven and we're not driving the Holy Spirit. What I mean by driving the Holy Spirit is when we just say, Lord, bless this time. Now let's have a meeting and let's get our decision what we're going to do. No there's Lord, maybe maybe a board meeting. Sometime we spend a half hour, an hour, two, three, or four, five hours in prayer. Lord, what we're, we're crying out to you right now. We want to know what you want us to do, and and that's what Holy Spirit driven is is all about. And so I really want to come to that this year in the church. Now we're going to continue on a little bit into our uh, our series on being Holy Spirit driven, and one of the ways that you're a Holy Spirit driven is, you have to sit at the feet of Jesus. You have to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so that's why we are in um, Luke chapter 10 here. And this is the account of Mary, Martha, and Jesus. Where, uh, Jesus came to Bethany, came to the house of Mary and Martha, sat down and ate, and Martha was off, and she was cleaning everything up and getting everything ready for all the disciples that were there, and then, but Mary didn't help. Mary did nothing. Except sit at the feet of Jesus. So let's, let's do, look at the account of this at this point. So let me get this going a little bit. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. Now, what is the village? The village is actually Bethany. How do we know that? Because uh, in John chapter 11, in the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead, uh, we, it is identified as the village of, of Bethany. Now that's significant and that's important. We'll get to this a little bit later. We also know that through John chapter 11 that Martha and Mary had a brother. His name was Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus eventually died and Jesus came. The the, 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 the number one miracle that Jesus produced besides his own resurrection in my opinion was raising Lazarus from the dead. Okay. Let's go further. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. So here's Martha. She's out and she's getting everything ready. uh, Martha actually means mistress. The word mistress, now it's not as mistress as we think, but mistress in that culture is the head of the house. And so we think that Martha was probably the oldest one, uh, the oldest sister. She was in charge of the house. She had not married. Mary did not marry. And Martha and Lazarus had not married as we know it. Once again, keep that in mind. I'll share why a little bit later. So as a mistress, as the head of the house, he's getting everything ready. She has to feed him. That's what you do in that culture. Somebody comes to your house and you feed them. Now they didn't have Kentucky Fried Chicken. So if I was to go to your house, and let's say this, let's pick somebody out here. Okay, so Ben, the entire church is going to your house today and we're going to meet at your house. And so now your wife is going, What? We have to feed everybody. So you make a phone call, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and you get these buckets of chicken, and and we all go over there and we eat. They didn't have KFC back then. So they had to make bread, they had to get everything ready for them to eat. So Martha is back there, she's getting absolutely everything going. Where's my sister? She's not helping. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him jesus and asked lord don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself tell her to help me typical uh, brother sister 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 thing why am i doing too much work martha martha the lord answered you are worried and upset about many things but few things are needed if only one mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I don't think Jesus was chastising her. It may come across that way. I think he was just saying, you know, Martha, there's more important things to worry about. Don't worry about it. Mary has chosen the better thing. All right, let's get a little background here. We think Scholars think that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were part of a religious sect called the Essians. The Essians, the best way to describe the Essians is Amish. They were separatists. They were separate from the world. They did not want to be tainted by the world in any way. The Essenes also believed that they were the ones who were to preserve the scriptures, and that is significant because in the 1960s they found a manuscript in a cave in Israel that was written by the Essenes. See, when the Romans came in and they were going to destroy Israel, the Essenes the took their manuscript that they had and they put them in a cave for safekeeping because they didn't want the Romans to destroy them. Now that climate was perfect for the preservation of these, of these uh, uh, manuscripts. These manuscripts were called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls were not Bible, per se, but they were commentaries on the Bible. So they would have Scripture, and then they would comment on it, Scripture, and they would comment on it. Now, what was significant about this find was that they compared the book of Isaiah, that's what they're talking about here, the book of Isaiah, that is found in those Dead Sea Scrolls from, you know, like 60 AD with the book of Isaiah that we have today, and it's almost exactly the same. So when people say that the Bible has been tainted by thousands of years, you can say we have done the best that we can to make sure that the original statements that were made are still the same. Now, there might be different ways to say it. That's why you have what's called translations. But you get to the original and that they are per- pretty much perfectly the same. That's why scholars are just going nuts over the Dead Sea Scroll. They're going, wow, look at this. And so the Essenes were the ones that did that. Now, the Essenes believed that you were to devote yourself to God. They also believed that you were to uh, 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 focus on the Scriptures. You were to be holy the Essenes believed in the resurrection. Think about that when you read John chapter 11, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha and, and they, when Lazarus had died, and they all, both of them said, we know he will rise again at the resurrection. Okay? Then, uh, they believed in the resurrection, they believed in purity, they also um, believed um, that it was better not to be married. And this is why, where I came to the point where I'm really wondering if they were not ASEAN. So they did not get married so that they could devote themselves totally to God. Martha was not married, Mary was not married, and we have no indication that Lazarus was married. Now, why... um, What they would do, there was was a group of the ASEANs that did get married because they're saying... If we don't get married, then guess what? We're going to die off. We need to have children, right? And so you have, a uh, similarity to what's happening in a group in Ohio called the Millerites and the Shakers, who both believe you shouldn't get married, and I believe there's only like two or three uh, Shakers left over in Shakers Heights. Remember that place? They believe in immortality. They also believe in divine punishment for sin they also believed in hospitality they did bring in children though they adopted children in that were running the streets to share with them god's love this came to me during the first service i'd have to look at it but here's the thought i had There was was someone who was considered to be an ASEAN that never got married, that is very prominent in the New Testament. He had two parents. One was Zachariah and the other one was Elizabeth, who were elderly. And we don't hear anything about his parents later in life. Could very easily, John the Baptist's parents have died and he was brought into the ASEAN sect. Because what John the Baptist does is he preaches on eternal life, he preaches on separation, and he also preaches on divine punishment. So you can see the ASEANs that are there. Alright. So with this in mind, you have Mary and Martha and Lazarus who's probably there. Jesus shows up, With all of his disciples. He starts teaching them. Martha is in there. She's getting everything ready to feed everyone. Mary sits at the foot of Jesus. And all she does is listen. And then she complains. And as I said. I don't believe that um, uh, uh, Jesus was chastising her. But just saying. Mary has chosen something better. People will survive without food. For a period of time. Come sit and listen. Reminds me of Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to kill. There's a time to uproot. There's a time to tear down. There's a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to build. And I could also add in there, there's a time to eat. and There's a time to listen. And I think what Jesus was saying is, now's the time to listen. So here we are, and I've been sharing with you my thoughts on Mount Tabor and where I feel we should go. Mount Tabor is very strongly a Martha, very active church. I I talked about you at uh, two denominational meetings I was at on Thursday and Friday. And I said, Mount Tabor is a very active church, a very, uh, and, and even the superintendent shook his head. Yes, you are. But never let the activity take a place at sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because if we don't sit at the feet of Jesus, then it becomes nothing more than activities. We need to be able to sit and listen at, for the Holy Spirit and listen for the direction that God wants us to have. And here's some of the hardest things for churches to realize. There are times that you have to allow activities to cease. Because they're not effective yet. Or it might not be what God wants us to do. And if that's the case, then we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And say, God, we might be letting this on the side, letting it go. But give us direction where you want us to go. I think of um, the one year that we went to um, uh, um, uh, the amphitheater in salina we haven't done it since but we did it during the pandemic remember that and we and we went down there and we and we shared the love of god at the amphitheater in Salina. something we never did before and the reason i can say that because the amphitheater was only like two years old but we went down anyway and uh you know it, it, it was advantageous. We shared Jesus with others. Or when we go to the, to the fairgrounds and do that. I know this year was the first year that we changed how we did uh, the Easter egg hunt. And we did a drive through instead of having the Easter egg hunt. The reason why we changed it was because we wanted more interaction with people. So we need to be willing to... To stop being Martha sometimes, and we need to sit at the feet of Jesus, and many sometimes just listen to him. So how do we do that? Well, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says that we are to pray in the Spirit on every occasion. On all occasions, of all kinds of prayers and requests. And so we are to be persistent, and we are to be in prayer for all believers everywhere. And when we do that, we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. We're having communion with Him. And when I say communion, is kind of a one-on-one with Him, walking through life together. Um, marriage is a prime example of that. The Bible says is that when two become one, it's it's a spiritual event, but it's also a very unique event. Because now we become one, and we walk through life together. And we have an intimacy with each other that we have with absolutely no one else. I have an intimacy with my wife that you do not have. I've seen um, uh, things that you never will see. For example, how many of you can actually say, I've seen the brains of my wife. You know, I, I I have those those memorized of Polly's head when, when she had that tumor on. Her. We share with each other our, our hurts and our and our joys and our concerns. I she has shared stuff with me that I'll never share with you. And yet, that's what Jesus wants with us. That's what God wants with us. He wants us to be able to walk through life with Him, with us as just as Adam and Eve walked with God in the Garden of Eden. But we have to be willing to sit at the feet of Jesus. So, how do we do that? We need to be willing to pray at all times. How can we do that? How can we do that? Does this mean that I should be on my knees 24 hours a day? And it says pray in all occasions? No, that's impossible. Some people have tried it. You get uh, uh, St. Anthony. uh, I know we got St. Anthony Road down here, but St. Anthony. uh, actually uh, went into the monastery and totally shut himself off so he could be 100% with God. But we are called to pray always. Uh, Luke chapter uh, 21, verse 36, pray always. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 12, con- continually di- be diligent in prayer. Colossians 4:2. continue in prayer. Philippians 4:6. and everything in prayer and supplication. 1 Thessalonians 5:17. pray without ceasing. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, pray without ceasing. We are called to be in constantly in prayer. So how do we do this? Well, we need to understand that prayer is communion with Christ. Prayer is communion with Christ. It is not communication. It is communion. See, communication many times is one way. Well, when you're telling somebody what's going on. Instead, communion is walking with through life with God at our side. And so we need to develop that attitude where God is at our side as we're walking through life. When a blessing comes, we say, thank you, God. When, when we see evil, we mourn with the heart of God. We struggle with sin, we say, thank you, God, forgive me through another day in which I, I did have not sinned. We are in constant conversation with him. It is looking at the entire world in every situation through the eyes of God or with communion with God. So it changes our attitude when we we see these things. For example, many of you know that Celina is is struggling with the LGBTQRS, whatever I call alphabet soup. How how do we deal with this? Now, some are very angry about it. But what is the heart of God about this? The Bible says he wants everyone to be saved. So when we deal with this in Salina as a church, should we not be looking at it through the heart of God with compassion? Now, it's it's not accepting sin, don't get me wrong. But how are we going to share God's love with this group? Because I'll tell you, when I when I meet with them and I see them, because I go to the city council meetings, I, I, I'm weird. I, I think it's fascinating to watch them. I'm a glutton for punishment. And I have one that wrote to church offices about me. Benny, and Saul. And I saw. And as a result of that, I specifically sit with them. Hi, how you doing? Being very kind to them. But I look at them, and they're so empty. And angry. And bitter. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Or how about that drug addict that... That I I, I looked at the arrest report and all the people who are in the jail right now because of drugs and fentanyl and all of that. And I look at how it's destroyed them, literally destroyed them. I mean, just look at them. Whoa. How does God feel about it? Once again, we're not accepting, we're not uh, not downplaying what sin is, but we have these people who are destroying themselves. And they need Jesus. And so when you walk with God and you see that, what would Jesus do? Remember that in the 1990s? What would Jesus do? You're walking with God and you see Jesus, what would Jesus do? Maybe you say a little prayer for him. Maybe you show the love of God with them. We pray, Lord, I'm not sure where this is going or what the outcome might be, but I put these people in your hands, casting all my cares upon you. And please understand I am not downplaying what sin is. But we are called to be in continual prayer but who are we supposed to pray for? And remember, prayer is not communion with community. Prayer is not communicating to God. Prayer is communion with God. And if we can get to that point where we are in communion with Him, So what does the Bible say? Well, let's go further. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, 18-20, chapter 6 verse 18-20, and we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, Okay. Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, we've got three, three groups we're supposed to be praying for. With this in mind, be alert, always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So one area we are to pray for is we are to pray for the Lord's people. Look around. That's who you're supposed to be praying for. Look around. You're supposed to be praying for them. And the Lord's people is just not Mount Tabor. The Lord's people is also Zion United Methodist Church, Mercer United Methodist Church, uh, 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 Only Believe Ministries, not Only Believe, New Beginnings, uh, what is Only Believe, New Beginnings, Abounding Grace, those are the Lord's people. New Horizons, Menden Church of God, Menden Community Church, Those are the Lord's people. So when you go by those churches, how about praying for them when you go by them? Because that's the Lord's people. And so then Paul says, pray also for me. So Paul is saying, pray for your church leaders. Pray for me. Pray for each person, the Lord's people. But also pray for your church leaders. Why? Because whatever I do affects you. And I cannot, how can I say this in a nice way? I, when I was in church leadership in the United Brethren Church, I, you would deal with pastors who made sinful decisions that almost destroyed churches. And so pray for your church leaders. Because the devil knows that if he can destroy the leader, he can destroy the church. So pray for me. Pray for Dave Odegaard, who is our superintendent. Pray for Lance Finley, who is the president of this denomination. Pray for your board leaders. Pray for your elders. Pray for them. And he says, "Pray for me that whenever I speak the words given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel." As I said, I am not an evangelist, but I will tell you when I share the gospel is like the Holy Spirit takes over. It's, it's, I can't explain it, and, and so we are to pray. Uh, we are to pray for the church leaders. That we can espouse the gospel so that we can uh, share the gospel uh, in a way that can advance God's kingdom and also the protection that uh, God needs to give us. Because, you know, we're human, we make bad decisions. Okay. The next one is for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. So we are also to pray for the persecuted church. Do you know the persecuted, the, when, the gospel spreads when persecution happens. Now, I, I'm not advocating pray for persecution. Trust me. I like to be comfortable like you do. But I can share story after story of Christians who were being persecuted that brought others to the Lord because of their faith during the midst of persecution. A Roman uh, official, military official, goes out onto a lake. They they put a Christian on the lake. That was a, a soldier in the Roman army. Put him on the lake and said, you have to stand there until you recant. And it was weather like this. You would stand there until you recant of your faith. And eventually the person died. And the Roman official was so impressed by that, he went out and stood there till until he died and says, if he's willing to die for his faith, it must be true. I was watching a documentary um, this week. and was a farmer, a white farmer in Zimbabwe, had uh, lost his farm. The government of Zimbabwe came in and said, um, you are to give your farm up. We are taking it from you because you took it from the Africans. You took it from the Africans, so we're taking it from you, and we're giving it back to the Africans. Now, oh, by the way, you're not going to get any money. So he lost everything. He lost his farm, and he lost everything. And so now the Africans came in, and 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 started farming on his farm that he was not allowed to farm from anymore and was getting no income from it and he's a christian what do you do so guess what he did he started teaching the africans how to farm the best way to describe it is you live on indian land so the united states government comes in and says you live on Indian land, you just lost your land and I'm not going to give you any money for your land and we're going to give it back to the Indians. What would you do? See, we're to share the love of Christ. We're to share Jesus. No matter what situation we're in, we should share Jesus with it. And that's hard. But when you're in communion with God, and you're in communion with Jesus, and you're walking together with communion with Jesus, you start looking at things through the eyes of Jesus. When you sit at the feet of Jesus and you hear His teaching, and then it, it, so it, it saturates you, and then you start walking life together with Jesus, guess what happens? You start acting like Jesus, you start acting the way Jesus wants you to. And you start seeking Him more because you want Jesus to be honored. Not myself. Not you and not Mount Tabor. it is for Jesus. So I can be an ambassador and change, Pray that I might declare what, what is it, the gospel, fearlessly, as I should? You know what you should be doing as a Christian. And how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do what you know you should be doing as a Christian? You got people praying for you, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, and you are Holy Spirit driven. You're not driving the Holy Spirit. So how do we get to that point? How do we get there? How do we get so how do we get Holy Spirit driven? How do we do that next week? I knew I wouldn't get done, but we'll talk about it more next week. How do we get to that point? Let's pray. Father, may we be Holy Spirit driven. May we be in communion with you. May we walk through life looking at what? At at people, at situations, through your eyes. May it be so. May we be a Holy Spirit driven church. And a Holy Spirit driven people.